Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the hell you are, fellow internet Denzians. Oh, good Lord, thank God for good coffee. Um, I, this is, the, well, I am Mike Ellsmore, and this is the Tech Off Topic podcast. Uh, hello and welcome to joining us. Uh, today, um, we are going to have somebody on who is the root cause of a lot of the evil that I cause the world. Between him and a gentleman called Robin Smith, I believe that we can blame this podcast, my addiction to coffee, uh, and quite a few other things on. So yeah, so I'm just going to drag him in and let him introduce himself. Say hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm Simon. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's fair to like blame blame me for you. <laughs> no, no. You can blame me for some of the more apparent, globally accessible parts of me. Yeah. You're the person who gave me a job that literally put me on stage. Yeah, that was crazy. Why would I do that? <laughs> Especially yeah. as, like, if I remember correctly, my interview, I rocked up in shorts and a t-shirt straight from your job in Bath. Yeah, possibly. But I was probably in shorts and a t-shirt at the time, so it sort of... <laughs> What's weird on the... It's like, huh, I feel like I'm in somebody's lounge, but this is an office. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting office. Yeah, I'm Simon. Uh, I am on Twitter at DRSM79. I should have put that in my thing, but I didn't. Um, think of that. Uh, <laughs> I work in Bristol uh, for a company called EDB, um, which does uh, interesting things with Postgres. Um, and then prior to that, I was at Cloudant, which is what this t-shirt is. Uh, Mike was just giving me grief for it being seven years old. But it, I mean, it's been washed. So <laughs> what's the big deal? I, I appreciate the fact that it's a seven-year-old one. It's the correct one to exist. It's just, I don't have one of those. I got rid of mine about four years ago. Yeah, it's all, I have this sort of kind of, uh, kind of T-shirt tectonics. So, like, T-shirts kind of, I've got, like, two drawers of T-shirts, and they kind of gradually kind of weave around. And every so often, like, there's one from, like, my teenage years kind of gets to the surface. And I'm like, cool, I'll wear that one again. So. Please tell me that's a Pearl Jam or Portishead T-shirt or some form of weird uh, street art one. Rage Against the Machine is the, the one that I wear most, actually, that's, I got when I was about at Reading 95, 96. I can't remember which year they played, but yeah. Keep very forgetting good. you're older than me. I'm, I'm well old. Look at my beard. True, but I actually, I'm massively impressed with A, the beard, and B, the huge grey streak that is, um, yeah, the badger. It works. Yeah. The Considering work. my grey streak is up in my temple and it just makes me look like I'm 60. Yeah, I've got a few kind of coming in the top bit as well, but. So yeah, the wild mane. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that I think is it the hair is the reason why you got the nickname Bill Bailey of databases. Like, was it twenty fourteen that was that was given yeah. to you? We were we were doing um, an excellent. I think it was a White October event, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was um, all your base, which sadly they don't do anymore because they were brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah, we did uh, all your base, and I was talking about CouchDB, uh, which is what we did at Cloudon. Um, and um, and I, I don't normally stand still that much, especially when I'm talking. So, so <laughs> I, I don't know what happened on the talk. The, the, the guy doing the video at the back of the hall, like he had a fixed camera, and I was just going in and out of shot all the time. <laughs> so so like, I completely ruined his, uh, his day. Um, and was kind of bouncing around and being a little bit animated and a bit silly and trying to make sort of funny jokes about how CouchDB was... Um, uh, what was it? CouchDB is. The, the, I had a, a t-shirt with a Venn diagram on, and it was um, a duck on one side, 
and uh, what was the other animal? A beaver on the other, and then a duckbill platypus in the middle. And I was like, so ClamshDB is a duckbill platypus of a database because it's a web server and it's also a document database and you can do these kind of interesting things as a result. And um, and yeah, I was just sort of being silly and bouncing about a bit too much probably. <laughs> and then this person came up to me and said, yeah, we decided that you're the real belly of databases. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's fun. I like that. So um, so it kind of stuck. Um, yeah. The horrible got... thing is you still work in databases and you still have instruments around you. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, I haven't got one of those horn. You know, he's got that horn keyboard. That's really cool. I'd like one of those. But they, they take up quite a lot of room. I haven't got room for one. Yeah, you also have two small children. I can't imagine anything more annoying than two kids just discovering that there's horns. <laughs> when we um, uh, when I used to cycle into work, I had a, a, a kind of a horn on my bike, and then it kind of perished. It kind of it went off. So the so that's gone in the bin, unfortunately. But I, yeah, I get back on that. I, I can only imagine that's a good thing. Yeah, I'd get home from work, and the kid like, shut up. <laughs> my wife would be like. They've just gone to bed, please. <laughs> but it's funny. <laughs> it's funny until it's not. Yeah, until they wake up. But yeah, um, yeah, I do have like kind of God instead of uh, you know instead of horns and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's me. That's that enough an introduction. Wouldn't make myself sound silly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, but I am going to ask. There is the natural thing to ask because not many people, not everybody's going to know this who knows you from giving talks in the past, etc. Because I've always uh, like your career path has been a weird one. <laughs> who doesn't have a weird career path? Like, really? I mean, it's not that many. People. Well, mine, mine's relatively normal. It, well, on paper, it looks normal. Yeah, I was going to say on paper. But I no, guess. yours was like it, yours is kind of weird, and so is most of the upper echelon of people who started with Cloudant. To be brutally honest, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Cloudant was kind of a, a, a crew. Um, I met one of the founders, Mike Miller, um, when I was working at CERN and at Bristol University. Um, so I, yeah, I did a physics degree and then came to Bristol and did a PhD um, in particle physics and did stuff at CERN, and then. Um, uh, the team that I ran in Geneva with a guy from Chicago called Dave. Hello, Dave. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we wrote um, sort of data management and workflow management software for one of the LHC experiments called CMS, which is unfortunate because everyone goes, you work on CMS. And it's like, what, what, what one is it? Uh, Django? <laughs> this one's like this big, and you can drive a bus through the middle of it kind of thing. Oh, one of those CMS. Um, but yeah, um, we did, uh, so we, we wrote, like me and my team wrote the software that, um, that Mike Miller's team ran and then he was at MIT and left, uh, to do Cloudant with some of his buddies from MIT. And then, uh, yeah, um, it wasn't long after my daughter was born. I got an email from him saying like, we're busier than we can handle. And if you're ever interested in a job, let me know. And I was like, actually, I everything's already up in the air like you know, just had a kid and stuff and and uh i kind of was getting to a point in the university where i was like well i don't really want to be a lecturer i'm not very good at lecturing i try not to do it um and that kind of limits what you, you have children do. it's going to be normal <laughs> yeah well yeah that's that's different kind of lecturing. <laughs> um but yeah so uh it was kind of one of those sort of um moments where kind of stars aligned a bit i guess and uh 
um, yeah, like why not? Why not? Um, why not do it? Kind of thing. And Julian uh, Clown, and the the rest is history. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what you can take away from this is you too can make a career out of writing really shit Python. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, so the, I've seen some of the earlier code that was part of the tooling for Cloudant. The Python there being written between, what, about five people? You could definitely tell it was, oh, we'll put this together. This isn't going to go into production. Oh, shit, it's in production. Some of it was, yeah. Some of it got quite neat. Um, it's one of those things where um, it's the interesting thing with uh, startups, right? Like there's a book, which I've got somewhere over my shoulder there, called um, like in the, the, the Spirit of a New Machine or something like that. It's, it's this Pulitzer Prize winning book from the late 70s, early 80s about um, the development of a, a an early computer. Um, and it's sort of tracking this company that doesn't exist, but at the time was worth, you know, silly amounts of money. Um, mm -hmm. And there's one of the character, one of the, it's not character, one of the people in there. It's a true story. Um, I'll send you the link. It's a good book. It's short as well. So you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> um, one of the characters in there is like saying, not everything worth doing is worth doing well. And, and there's a balancing act, right? Like you can, and Bezos talks about it a bit as well. Like the, um, You've got to make a decision with 60% of the information that you'd like to have, right? Oh, and, the thing that's part of uh, Bezos's innovation talk thing where it's, yeah. Yeah, if, if you wait until you've got everything perfect, you, you've missed the boat kind of thing. Um, and it's a, it's a tricky balance to maintain, and I've, I've learned from mistakes and learned from, you know, and, and things that have been good, like that way is a good way of doing it and that way is a bad way of doing it kind of thing. And, and it's, it's definitely a... It's a tricky one because it's it's one of those things where it is an experience question um, as opposed to a you can't kind of go oh here's a unit test that one should you know or here's a nice metric I can put in and say if this is greater than seven then we're good um, you've just got to kind of develop a bit of a gut feel for it um, and yeah there's certainly like quite often those sort of I, I quite often like write little silly bits of Python um, or other languages, mainly Python, um, to uh, just sort of automate bits of my day job that I find boring. <laughs> and, and like, so, so um, when I was at IBM, we had uh, we moved into this nice new office, and it was a lab, um, but we let other people, other IBM folk, use it as a sort of drop-in space. Um, and um, this wasn't the one that you saw. This was the, this was the new one that had a had a moss wall. Very cool, very cool, and and like proper uppy downy desks and and good good seats and stuff. Wow, um, not hot desks that felt like weird cubicles from the eighties. No, no, it was it was it was weird cubicles from the twenty twenties. Yeah, had it had a proper little phone booth. It was actually really really cool, really really nice office. Anyway, um, and so we wanted to have a way of uh, letting ask having people ask to have access because we controlled the access. Mm -hmm. And so we we made them file GitHub tickets because I figured like it's a lab. If you don't know how to file a GitHub ticket, you probably shouldn't come in. And and uh, um, and actually, the sort of salespeople kind of were all actually pretty savvy and, and were able to work it out. Um, but then it kind of became a chore because like suddenly like fifty people wanted access or whatever. So I spent like a Friday morning drinking coffee and writing a little bot that kind of went out and got it and. Sent sent the emails to the right people when when the ticket went got the state of 
approved or what have you. And it just sort of meant that something that had been taking uh, some people kind of quite a bit of time chasing around, just playing me running a script once a week, which is it's nice. It's a good thing. People can then go and think about something more interesting than that. Have you got around to doing stuff like that for EDB? Now, here's the question. Is it EDB or Enterprise DB? Because I've always been confused by which one I'm meant to call it. I think it's Enterprise DB, uh, but that's quite a mouthful. So everyone just calls it <laughs> It's quite a mouthful, and it also doesn't have this, like, ah, innovation tech feel. Enterprise! Hmm. Yeah. yeah. There is probably some brand guidance that I haven't fully uh, absorbed yet that, that will tell me that it's definitely enterprise db um but um but yeah it, it's cool it's nice i joined there in in november um it's going well it's interesting stuff good team um yeah to be fair you've had quite a lot of experience game. with the postgres world as well after the uh after weren't you part of the the crew that analyzed and went through compose io when it was being bought into the ibm yeah, we did stuff with Compose. Um, I was on the sort of did some of the diligence for that, and um, mm. and then toward the end of my time at IBM, I was kind of helping run that team as well. Um, they actually kind of pretty they're, they're great. They're pretty independent and just kind of let them help them clear the path kind of thing. Um, but yeah, um, and Postgres is cool. Actually, I think I think it was at that uh, all your base. They announced the first like JSON support um, in Postgres. Um, I think it was that one. It was either that one or the year after, um, and that was really cool. Like here's a here's a here's a SQL DB with actually kind of first class JSON in, and it, they'd done it quite neatly. I thought at the time, I haven't played around with it that much since. I need to get. Uh, dust off my Postgres. I realized the first time I used Postgres actually was um, when I was working at the university and um, there was some uh, storage management software that we had to use called Decache. Um, I think made in Daisy in uh, Hamburg, the uh, synchrotron lab over there. Um, mm -hmm. And that was backed by Postgres. And I remember it like installing it and it it took about a week to install the stupid <laughs> Like it was, it was quite, it was quite painful. Like it was, this was sort of, I mean, that was, I remember when I started my PhD, um, I got a laptop and I wanted to put Linux on it. I wanted to have, I think it was Red Hat 6 might have been. Um, and uh, getting Red Hat 6 to talk to the Wi-Fi card was literally a week of recompiling kernels. It was just insane. And then, then I got, and then I went to a conference where, like, in the swag bag was a, a Linux-compatible Wi-Fi card that just plugged in and was perfect. So, uh, yeah. That, and it's, like, it's those sorts of things where you, A, realize that you're old, um, <laughs> but, B, you realize how far, like, technologies come. Like, if you think about, like, you know, you've got in your pocket more power than than the laptop that I did my PhD on, probably, it's sort of... Nuts, right? Isn't the usual one? There's more power in your pocket than sent the first man to the moon. There's more power is in it? a calculator than sent a man to the moon. Like a modern calculator is is yeah, it's huge. True, but I'm still a dummy, and the best thing I can do on a calculator is spell boobs. <laughs> I can't even get to boobies or boobless. Yeah, um, yeah. enough. That's all. Um, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like you know, I, I'm sort of. I feel like. Like I turned forty, uh, not last December, December before, 
and I've sort of yeah definitely kind of felt a little bit old <laughs> not in a bad way like I quite enjoy it actually but it, it sort of makes you sort of reflect a bit and and kind of like things like like I've been around and seen uh two hype cycles of the web kind of thing like I like I was making web pages in like 94 five but you were uh, an academic during the first dot com boom period. Yeah, but I was see yeah, exactly. But I was also uh, when I was doing my PhD, we had folk who were at Babar, which is in Slack in Stanford, and so mm -hmm. I went over to Slack for a bit and and was there for a few weeks and stayed with them. So I was there like that would have been two thousand one, no two thousand two thousand three, and so like that was at the end of the pop. That was after the pop kind of thing. Mm. And so you'd go out and, and, and it was just bizarre, like sort of walking around in Palo Alto and sort of going into this very swanky, quite expensive restaurant that you could get like a really nice meal and a really nice bottle of wine for not much money because they were just sort of trying to stay open, basically. Um, and they'd also had a bumper crop of uh, wine the year before. So it was sort of one of those like... It was, a, it was a good time to be there but it was it was really <laughs> it was just really strange and and then like we went out in um we were there over halloween and went out mm. in the castro of uh san fran and um like just huge like insane halloween party like kind of people on stilts kind of nine foot high and full drag and and kind of um sounds like mardi gras with more sparkle <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, and and knocking heads, um, <laughs> but it was cool. And I think that was like the last, maybe the last or the year, the year after the year after that, they didn't do it anymore because of sort of crime and what have you. Um, and it, but it's interesting, like kind of, I'm not sure I'd want to go to San Fran at the moment. Like it sort of sounds a bit kind of, I don't know. You read some things, it sort of sounds like some kind of dystopian hellscape, and other things kind of like, it's quite nice. So. I, I think I, if I was to go there for anything other than being a tourist, it's a dystopian hellscape. Yeah, right. Going there being a tourist, scary. Well, Alcatraz, Golden Gate Bridge, fantastic. Moving Ooh. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange because um, it was cool when I was there. Like, it was really nice. Uh, and it had a good kind of vibe about it and stuff. Um, and I'd yeah, say we were like, there before the homeless problem was a problem. Right, yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's not good. It's not it's not a nice um it's one of those things where like one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit recently is sort of money and how weird money is. Like if you think about money a little bit, it's kinda of like that's really strange, right? Like why is it that I can exchange value? And and, and like how do I value something? Like, you know, you get people that are kind of on T V who are getting paid, I don't know. If I was, you know, if I was way more famous, you'd be paying me thousands of pounds to talk to me right now, right? And 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 I wouldn't be saying anything different, right? Do you know what I mean? Like it's it, it, it's just it'd be exactly the same words falling out of my beardy face, um, <laughs> but but you would be paying me money for it. Like that's kind of crazy. And, yeah, and, th and things like um, the the sort of all the crypto stuff sort of makes it kind of it kind of highlights how weird money is, I think. Well, I, I actually had a thought the other day, which may, uh, after watching a ridiculous amount of YouTube, I may add, at very late at night. Um, Too so much mostly, No comment, which I'm still blaming you for, because those two pots that you see be in the office are the reason I like black coffee now. 
the way to go. It's the way to go. Um, yeah, your fault. Um, when I started EDB, they gave us, um, I got like a nice EDB backpack mm. that stuff. and then I got a nice kind of, uh, I forget the name, like coffee uh, thing. And I thought, oh, great, I'm going to fill this up in the morning and I'll have that by the side of my desk. And, I'll, and, it, and it kept, it was, it's fantastic. It keeps the heat in the Would it thing. be a mug by, by any chance? A what, sorry? A Yeti mug. Big thermos one which lasts forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epic. Um, not product placement or anything. Um, yeah, so I've got this, um, got this uh, other brands are available, um, Yeti mug. Um, and, and so I had this coffee and, and i normally have like i try and have one coffee a day now right because if i have certainly if i have a coffee in the afternoon it's game over and i'm going to be up until three o'clock in the morning i'm that old i i uh, can't have coffee in the afternoon hole um he says yeah, but just I had finishing coffee. off a carafe of chemics <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah so uh, i had this coffee sort of sitting there and i just sort of sip away at it and for all morning it would be too hot to drink because it's just kept its heat because the, mm. these uh yetis are so good um and so yeah and i kind of just realized that after the end of my first week i had a massive coffee hangover and i was like completely wired <laughs> and i was like i need to not do that i need to like be a bit more careful around my coffee intake because i make it like, off or use a normal mug yeah right exactly i have it in normal mug first thing first part of the day kickstart the brain and then i might have one in the late morning i try not to well my random thought was the fact that like <laughs> Most currencies are hmm. gold standard backed. Not anymore. Not anymore. But that's where they all started. Yeah. So literal, uh, the biggest uh, the biggest currency for trade in the world, the US dollar, in the nineteen seventies was removed from the gold standard. Yeah. That means we've so ignoring cryptocurrency. That means for fifty years we have been trading on invisible money. That has yeah. no real value other than what other people put onto it. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, gold has some practical application and stuff. Mm. But like, makes really good teeth. <laughs> yeah, and like spaceships and stuff. Mm. Um, but like, and and it's rare. But but it's an interesting. Thing, like, um, like rarity is an interesting thing, right? Like, my my son's really into bird watching and and it's that sort of thing. And 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 there's a we went out for a little walk. Uh, before lunch and it's all like you know pigeons and blue tits and wagtails and stuff and then i saw a kingfisher and and kingfishers are a very beautiful bird um you don't see them very often although there's a river down there that you, you kind of can if you sort of sat still for long enough you'd see one every day kind of thing but they're rare enough that it's kind of exciting to see a kingfisher but i only saw one wagtail and i only saw one blue tit and i only saw one kingfisher but the kingfisher is the one that i'm excited about and, and i think there's a human thing about rarity that's kind of I don't know, it, maybe there, there's certain things I think we've perhaps been wired into our brains when we were sort of cavemen and women um, that are now kind of causing us problems because we don't have to worry about whether a Yeti is going to eat us. We've got, we're going to drink out of a Yeti instead. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to segue from that uh, from that weirdness. Right, uh, ladies really, and gentlemen, if weird. you're listening to this we have podcast, made up money. It is weird that we have made up money, and, and um, yeah. there's a brilliant Pratchett book about it. Um, the yeah. whole sort of book about it is is starring. Uh, it's uh, it's von Moist is the main uh, character of it. I can't remember the name of the book. It's not going postal. It's the mm. other one. Yeah, uh, even yeah. though it, 
even though in Going Postal he did make money with stamps, which is essentially printing money. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that was a good one. Um, well, they're all good, aren't they? Let's be honest. Pratchett's it's Pratchett. Pratchett. They're all pretty much good. Like my Wi-Fi is Turtle Madness for a reason. I still use the uh, the old uh, Cloudant Wi-Fi code password. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Like that's Mike Mike Rhodes. Great idea. Oh, Mr. Rhodes, somebody who won the most dry sense of humor and also ridiculously smart, but doesn't make me feel dumb about it, which is great. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Do you know what the yeah. book about money that Pratchett wrote is called? Making money. <laughs> we should have guessed that one, really. <laughs> it just feels a little bit too on the head for it, but yeah. All right, I'm going to segue away from the money conversation because we're going to end up back on that in a little bit. But it's more, I, uh, for ladies and gentlemen listening to this podcast uh, without the video stream, you may have noticed behind Simon, um, and I'm going to say it, there is a buck ton of um, loose cables. No, that isn't bad cable management. That is on the left-hand side, um, a synthesizer. Well, no, many synthesizers, mucho synthesizers, all glued together. Yeah. Um, because uh, Simon happens to be um, what I would like to call a musician for random music. Because you also play guitar, if I remember correctly. So, like, yeah. you are a traditional musician, but then you like gluing all this crap with signal noise. The guitars are there behind mm. the pyramid. Um, ah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're cool. Like, uh, this is one of my little synthesizers made in an IKEA box. Uh, uh, oh god yes i forgot the clown was also the place i lurked about ikea hacking how you make server racks using tables yeah uh i didn't make most of these ones um i made i made this one well from a kit and i made these two from kits and then these ones are professionally built um i would show you the soldering on the back but it's not the... yeah cool but um yeah so how the hell does one yeah, because like, all right, traditional instruments, piano, guitar, even a theremin, they make... <laughs> traditional instruments like a theremin, yeah. Bark well, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it has, it's something that you can, you write, yeah, you read, you read and write music for it in a traditional way. I've, I have seen the fact there are tablets for theremins. Yeah, yeah. How the hell do you get from that? Because I'm pretty sure you started on guitar as a teenager. How the hell do you get to a synthesizer, which is essentially, I'm just going to make a random signal and then monkey around with it until other signals happen? It's not that different to a guitar. Come on. Um, no, I started on a saxophone, actually. Uh, I have a saxophone somewhere there. Um, yeah. So did you not realize you were a brass player? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, well, woodwind, actually, dear boy. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I did sax, then did guitar, uh, got into sort of guitar music when I was a teen, obviously, and grew my hair long and what have you, and bought a Rage Against the Machine t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I, um, I got, uh, I was watching, um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of Portishead, I think they're a great band, and um, must have been about six years ago or so, maybe a bit longer. There's a video, Adrian Utley, who's the guitarist of Portishead, he's also super into synthesizers. His, his uh, studio is this amazing uh, room. I've not been there, but I've seen photos. Kind of and there's a video of him um, playing around with one of these. Can you see that? Yeah. Uh, 
called a, a, a mini brute. Um, so, so that grey one there. Um, and and it was just cool and, and some fun sounds were coming out of it. And I thought, I'm going to get one of those because they're not that expensive. Um, and um, and they're interesting. And I was also listening to, there's a another, there's an album called Drock, um, which was music by Jeff Barrow, who's also in Portishead, um, that they did for the Dread film. And then I think the, somewhere between the studio and the director and Jeff Barrow, they decided that he wouldn't do the soundtrack kind of thing. And they had a more kind of traditional uh, soundtrack put in, but they released it as an album and it's really good. Mm. And I recommend you go and listen to it. Um, so I was listening to that kind of electronic, and I've always been into sort of, like when I was a teenager, um, I, uh, DJ Shadows Introducing came out and that's a fantastic album. And me and my friends would sort of make music on computers and, and do sort of sequencing and, and beats and stuff like that. So I've always kind of had that interest. Um, and then, yeah, that that was sort of, if it's good enough for Adrian Utley, it's good enough for me kind of thing. <laughs> and I got that. And so, and then, and then that you kind of get one and it's like, well, I need another one because I, they're monophonics. They can only play one note at a time. So you want a second one. And then you kind of start. And then um, and as you start getting into it, you kind of realize that the sort of modular stuff, so the sort of things in our key boxes, uh, that's where the fun bit is. Because that's where you can do really weird stuff, right? Like I've got, um, uh, there's a module I've got called Sloths, um, which is three very, very slow LFOs. And they follow a chaotic attractor. So if you, if you they've got three outputs. And if you plot the X and the Y, you can watch it follow a Lorentz attractor, which is something I was fascinated with. There's a team. There's a there's a book called um, Chaos by a guy called James Gleek, and uh, in there he's talking about analog computers. And if you think about it, like a synthesizer is kind of an analog computer, right? It's solving an equation over time, mm -hmm. um, kind of thing. Um, and so yeah, you kind of realise that if you want to do sort of really interesting stuff, like you can go you can go a long way with just one of them and a delay pedal. Um, but yeah, you start kind of, you want to have some more things and then, and it's one of those things where you get one and then you go, oh, I need another. And then I want that bit there and, and I want a sequencer and if I'm going to have a sequencer, I need to have a clock. And, and then it just kind of starts sort of snowballing and then you end up. How many of those are actually analog signal generation rather than digital? Because I know you've got like some of the keyboard ones are digital signal generation. Yeah, you sort of so like the big, the big, the big boy there. Uh, yeah, that, that's a matrix brute. That's badass. Um, that's digital control of analog signals. Um, so you, you can sort of so the, so the voltage that goes into the pitch is is thing, but the actual sound and all the filters are, are analog and stuff. Um, in that stuff, most of that is analog. Um, apart from thing, there's some that sort of a sampler sort of things they read off. Uh, SD cards and stuff. So obviously that's digital, and there are some that are deliberately digital because you want that kind of uh, sound. And then quite a few controlly ones like um... so. This is my this is my first rack. Very good. You can't get them anymore, but um, you you need a small rack first. Pittsburgh do a good one. Um, but yeah, this this guy here, Metropolis. I see there. Um, that's a very cool sequencer. That's very digital, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, that guy's a sort of digital grainy thing. That guy, this is called, it's called a data bender, and it emulates uh, the sound of like a scratch CD or like bit crushing and that kind of stuff. So you can kind of have a nice kind of amb 
ambient sound and then you can stick it through there and it sounds terrible at the end of it. Um, okay, I've got a question for you then based upon this. Because um, you're the person, you're one of the people who actually got me into Spotify to begin with. <laughs> because I, I before I joined Cloudon, I was a free Spotify user and then uh, I was introduced to the Cloudon Bristol playlist and you could only <laughs> monkey around with that if you had a premium membership at the time. Because yeah, that's how like Spotify that. worked. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you feel about the Spotify hi-fi stuff? Because as far as um, it's, it, as far as I can tell, it's just tidal but Spotify. Oh, I've got my son coming. Kind of. Kind of. This is a uh, this is the boy. Uh, he's got a Yoda T-shirt on, but you can't you can see his ear there. You? you can see the ears. Um, that's all you need. He's not being on camera, but he also, yeah, he always wants to come and say hello, but then doesn't want to actually be on camera. Um, <laughs> makes for great meeting. <laughs> it's good that he's got clothes on. He's um, I'm one of those IKEA. Uh, so um, oh, we're we're having a wee bit of signal stuff. Are we good? I think we're good. I think we're good. Prison, but um, I know what your face looks like. There we go. That's better. Um. Yeah, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, we've got one of those Sonos things. That's cool. Um, Spotify's good for like kind of trawling through music, and um, and that convenience piece is good. I have got underneath my synthesizer. There's loads of vinyl, um, which never gets played um, because I have it. And one day, when my kids are older, I tend to put my record player downstairs where I can sit and in. Um, at the moment, it would just get covered in jam or. Petty food. So, as somebody who enjoys like good music, where the crackle and pop and the sounds of everything coming through, do you think the higher fidelity of the stuff is actually a good thing rather than wasted? Because I personally only listen to my Spotify through headphones or through a essentially Sonos speaker, which isn't designed for high fidelity. Yeah, right. Sonos is a basically mono, right? There's an there's a um, yeah. I forget her name. There's a famous producer, um, and there was an interview with her. And she was sort of saying, <clears throat> so when she started, she was doing sort of house music and stuff, and they they would spend a lot of time and effort making sure the mix was um, just really really strong and umphy on, mm. um, in, and and the way they did that was put it into mono, so both speakers yeah. are playing the same, thing. and there's some tricks you got to do to kind of make it umphy. Um, but then everyone got into stereo and they wanted to have like kind of, you know, sounds moving around and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a different thing. But now everyone's going back into that kind of mixing for mono mode because everyone's just got a Sonos speaker and it, it can do a bit of stereo, but not, <clears throat> not amazing. Um, but I think it's sort of, I kind of feel like, like I try and avoid the sort of um, hi-fi nerdery, although I do quite like talking about it with people like Graham. Um, but um, it's sort of 
I think a good song goes through even if it's listened to on a really sort of tinny bad speaker right and 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 I think there's a danger like drum and bass for example sometimes it gets into a bit of a loop where that music is just about how good the production can be as opposed to is it an interesting bass line or does it make you want to kind of wiggle your bum around or or what have you um and and so it's that sort of thing of like I think there's and there are certainly like bands that you know um bands that I quite like some of them where the sound is yeah yeah there's a bit of Tron Lego yeah um but yeah, there's certain bands that I like that you know they're so noisy that it wouldn't doesn't matter what you listen to it <laughs> right like and and actually that's kind of part of the fun of it sometimes I think like like yeah the Ikea Sonos thing uh kicks out quite a lot of bass and so you sort of suddenly get a very different kind of experience to I tend to listen to music um, when I'm not up here because I've got like a stereo and stuff over there. Um, I tend to listen to music when I'm in the shower <laughs> and I have this little blue waterproof speaker and I just have a sort of part of my kind of wake up routine is some some music and having a shower kind of thing. And and so like the audio quality doesn't matter at all in that scenario, right? And And so you've got this kind of interesting you know, what's the purpose of the music? Like if you're going and listen to music when you're on a run or something, which I, over the summer, took up and I haven't done much over the winter. Dad, One second. No, that's not brick, that's wood. And it's loud. There's some people on the other side that are going to be listening to it. Um, Ed, stop, seriously. Um, it's not metal, it's wood. <laughs> Smell in there, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you listen to it on like kind of you know earbuds as you're running around, and and you obviously you wouldn't want it to sound really brilliant because you'd probably get hit by a car. Like you want that kind of yeah, yeah. And so so there's that kind of weird thing of like, it, it, and I think it's that sort of thing. Like things like Spotify, I think things like Spotify, you quite often listen to music with less intent, mm -hmm. like it's kind of put it on as background kind of thing, and that's fine. But then you've also got the sort of flip side of that is like actually like Mogwai's number one selling album. Uh -huh. um, it's nice to have a sit down and actually sort of explicitly choose to listen to to a record, right, or a CD or or an album stream. And, and so it's kind of doing the thing you need to do in the time and space you need to do it. In, kind of. Yeah. Oh wow, levitation. Um, yeah. So it's that. Um, <laughs> I get, you know, <laughs> um, the joys of lockdown, right? Um, but yeah, so, so it's that kind of finding, so it's like if, if you've got a really high-end stereo and you can find the time to sit down and, and enjoy it, then all power to your elbow. But if you've got like a pair of crappy headphones and you want to listen to your favourite music, then there's nothing wrong with that either, is there, right? No. I think I live my life in crappy headphones, so yes. <laughs> I need to get some new ones, actually. My... Uh, my old noise cancelling ones have cancelled. <laughs> kind of fell yeah. apart. I have upgraded to the Bluetooth version for that express reason because these are kind of dying. Yeah, exactly. I need to get the yeah the ones that I got. They just the, all the cups are like flaking off, and you take them off, and you got like bits of leatherette in your beard. How's this? When Martha comes up, can we have a little play that with Yeah, go and ask Mum, okay? I'm going to wear 
wait. Okay, you keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say at the beginning, like, there's a fair chance that one of my children will come in and, and send us all on slightly sideways kind of jolly. So. Oh, that's fine. There's a reason this is called Tech Off Topic. It's because Off Topic is pretty much the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a case of the zombie apocalypse has brought a whole new definition of what off topic means. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my neighbour at the top of the road, he, part of the reason he bought his house is he figured it'd be good in a zombie apocalypse because it's kind of it's like it's, it's on the corner of a road, so you've got good sight lines in all directions, there's nice high walls. Protect yourself from the zombie apocalypse. And then, then, then the pandemic kicked in, and I was like, Yeah, how's that working out for you? He's like, it's not as good as in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> um, he's a doctor as well, so uh, yeah. I never thought I'd ever think of fish ponds and zombie apocalypse protection. It's, it's important, man. You know, we've all seen Shaun of the Dead. It could happen to you. <laughs> you got red on you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to once again segue this using the Spotify conversation. Right. So not going to ask a lot about this because, to be brutally honest, um, the news has beaten the crap out of it with the um, royalty payments and stuff. Like, some other reason, in 2020, um, the music industry was up in arms. The DMCA requests everywhere to try and squeeze as much money out of online content and artists getting the short end of the stick. Yep. Now, you started a side hustle at the beginning, like, spring last year? Uh, summer, yeah. Summer. Um, right. Do you want to give the the high-level view of this? Because it, I'm pretty sure once we start on this topic, it's going to go tangential. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, like, uh, years ago, actually, there was a, there was a DRM uh, format, and I can't remember the name of it, which is annoying, but it's something like Mantis or Manto or something like that. Um, they had this idea where um if you bought a, a record um it could come in the drm'd thing right and then if you gave it to someone else like let them have a copy put it on napster or whatever it was napster in those days none yeah. of this torrent nonsense um <laughs> again old old um but yeah um uh, there was it just way... means lars Ulrich is never going to listen to this <laughs> did you see the thing with them on twitch so they, they were playing a gig on Twitch. I think okay. part of like Twitch's, it might have been like Twitch's kind of conference or something like that. Oh, was, the GlitchCon stuff. Yeah, it was a legit thing, right? And so you got, and they're sort of playing in their garage that they've got kind of set up in their massive studio. Um, and then Twitch's uh, DCMA uh, protection stuff kicks in and overlays it with like some Nordic folk music <laughs> that they've got the rights to, and so you got like kind of Metallica was shredding away and it's like oh over the top. It's completely it's brilliant, really funny. Um, oh boy! And it's like kind of you know slightly reap what you sow a bit, but anyway. Um, but yeah, they uh, so there's this 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 uh, this uh, DRM format where um, you were actually encouraged to share the file because it had embedded in it a way to pay the original creator, right? So so if I gave it to you, you could then go and pay 50p to Fred, who wrote the music kind of thing, and it would then unlock it for you, and then you could give it to someone else. And it's sort of a... And I think there was some, like, 
I would get a bit of the money and, and Fred would get the majority of the money. And so it's a sort of pyramid scheme of DRM kind of thing. And then, and me and some friends were kind of looking at that. This is like 2005, six kind of thing, maybe 2004. Um, and we were looking at that and kind of had this idea of like, well, maybe we could do that and didn't really go anywhere because we were too busy doing PhDs and drinking too much. Um, but then uh, fast forward to last year <laughs> um, and um, we, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Hamilton, who I think you didn't work with, I think like he started a bit after you. Um, yeah. But I think you need to meet. I think you're getting with each other. Um, he's. He, I, I've known him since I've known like Mike Rhodes. Just FYI, he is in the chat. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Hello, Matt. <laughs> um, so uh, I met. So there's a guy called Dan Fares who might also be in the chat. You never know. Uh, I met Dan at uh, Jelly, which was like this sort of, um, sort of. I remember those being pre-meetup social media things back in the day. Yeah, they were kind of like these sort of. If you wanted to hot desk somewhere and not knew anyone and all that stuff, so I met him, um, Bristol University uh, Physics Department. It's old nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties part of the building had this massive water tank in the top that was supposed to be like the sort of emergency water tank for Bristol. And they decided that they were going to get rid of it um, and put a data center in there, right? Um, so so they had to take out this 1950s cast iron water tank first that was full of dead pigeons and, and water um, and then put this data center in. And so I can, my office was basically directly underneath it. And um, I can attest that someone angle grinding a massive cast iron uh, water tank is not conducive to a pleasant working experience. And so um, uh, there was these Bristol jelly things that uh, popped up and one of my friends spotted. And so we went and did that for a couple of days instead of having a guy angle grinding there. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a heavy metal joke in there, but... No, no, not at all. It's, it was very painful. Not, not at all pleasant. Um, but yeah, so through, through Dan, I think I went out for a curry or something oh no yeah through dan i went to i went to europython uh, in birmingham in 2007 8 and while i was there like getting the lanyards and stuff i spotted dan i said oh hello. oh i know you're from bristol and stuff and he said oh hello yeah we're going for a curry later do you want to come along and so through dan i met matt and mike rhodes and so that's a little call back to earlier on um <laughs> but yeah so matt <laughs> this is one of those stories where it's kind of gone tangential before it's even started. Um, but yeah, so Matt uh, sent me a message. He, he's into XRP, right? Cryptocurrency called XRP, and yeah. now works for uh, XRP uh, Ripple Labs. Um, so he's doing amazing uh, dev advocacy for them. Um, he wasn't doing that at the time he was working at IBM. Um, and he sent me a message on a Saturday morning saying, all right, Sai, there's this thing called Grant for the Web. Uh, Mozilla's doing it with Coil and um, you should apply for it and get them to pay for you to record some of your stupid bleepy bloopy music. Which <laughs> I that's very kind of you to uh, suggest such a thing. And so um, I was like, cool, yeah, when's the when's the grant application got to be? And it's like, oh, it's Monday morning or something like that, Monday evening. So this was Saturday. And so then I kind of like started scratching my brain um, and phoning around various friends and you know acquaintances and just kind of pulled together this grant idea where... The whole thing is around this thing called web monetization, right? So web monetization is this emerging 
W3 standard where you stick a, a meta tag in the top of your um, uh, web page. And if your browser notices that you've got that tag in there, it'll start streaming micropayments to, to where you've pointed that thing to, right? Um, and so the idea was to sort of make some music, record that. We've done that. That's getting mastered hopefully next week. Um, and then make a web page to host that music with this web monetized stuff on. And then it's like, well, actually, the thing that's interesting with Spotify and SoundCloud and all those other sites is the network effect. Like the sort of, you've listened to this band, maybe you want to listen to that one as well. Kind of thing. And so it's always actually, for this to be a useful thing, you've got to actually sort of start building a bit of a network. Um, and so this idea for what became called Audiotarchy kind of formed, um, put the grant in, uh, fully expecting it to be politely declined, <laughs> uh, and then started noodling around anyway. So my, my blog, I've got that sort of web monetized, and I've got a couple of posts on how that works and stuff. Um, and then uh, and then I think it's like mid-September or so, got a like, message saying, congratulations, you've got your grant. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> now I've got to go and do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been building that oh, since. Yeah. Um, well, I know it's actually quite cool. So I'd already built quite a bit of it. Like kind of, I'd, I'd kind of done the POC sort of side of things uh, just in my spare time over the summer because you know, lockdown. What are you going to do? Kind of. Um, uh, but yeah, so we've kind of got that done, and then with the grant, I've been able to pay for a design agency to sort of make it look pretty and and functional and care about the UX and stuff, and um, built out the back end side of things in some rusty Python and. Uh, um, and now we started kind of signing up artists and stuff. So we've got about, I think it's about 20 folk on there at the moment, um, trying to get to 50 sort of in the next kind of month, paying the first 50 people 50 quid to sign up um, as a um, first 50 bands, 50 quid to sign up. And then um, part of that signing up is you get a, a coil account, or not a coil account, a, an uphold account to get a mm -hmm. payment wallet, ILP, Interledger pointer. I think it's called. Um, Matt can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then uh, it means that people can can pay, and, and or people pay Coil, which is this company. It's like they they act as the subscription piece, and then you have your Coil browser plugin, and then Coil will stream money to who you're listening to, and it's kind of neat. It means that we don't have to touch money in on Audio Talky side of it. There's nothing there. I don't have to sign. You don't have to sign up to use it. You can pay. If you've got coil in your browser, you can pay someone to listen to their music, um, which is nice because it means that it can be like privacy first. Like I don't need to know, like I don't have to judge that you listen to loads of K-pop music or, or have you. I don't have to target ads at you to to kind of fund the thing. I can just you can just listen to music, which is quite quite neat. Um, <clears throat> and um, yeah, it's kind of it works. <laughs> um, and. Uh, I got, there's, there's a guy tweeting yesterday who we signed up, a guy called Musoid. Um, he's a sort of nice squelchy acid sort of um, sort of breaks music, and he's like, yeah, my new favourite thing is watching watching my uh, Bitcoin roll in on um, as people listen to the music on Audio Talkie. Okay, so, okay, so you've got you've as got decentralised as possible. Yeah, because, because but, 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 you're actually following the wonderful uh, crypto approach to it, where there is actual material being mined, produced elsewhere, or is it just the actual? 
Um, How are you handling the, creating the hashes to then attach everything to? No, so that doesn't happen. Oh. Um, so, so what happens is um, essentially coil kind of acts as like a subscription exchange kind of thing. So you pay them five dollars a month, which four dollars and four pounds in the Queen's own money. Um, so you pay them five dollars a month, uh, and they kind of behind the scenes. So quite, what's what's good about Coil is they don't talk about crypto at all, really, and their marketing stuff. Um, it's it's very much kind of aimed at consumer use, right? And I think the crypto stuff. Aside from addressing the kind of power consumption issues that certain coins have, um, like that's the other thing that it's got to before it becomes a real like mainstream thing, it's got to like work out how does it have how do you have a consumer application of this sort of technology that like my mum could use, right? So Coil does that, and, and so you you pay them five bucks a month. Um, they then behind the scenes are converting that into XRP. Um, I think they're sitting on a fair war chest of XRP. And then the, the micropayments are done at, with XRP. And then the receiving end, so if you use Uphold, your XRP can be converted into Dodge. Like Mike Wallace has got, he's on there, and he's got his stuff going in as Dogecoin um, because he thinks it's funny. Um, and it is funny. Uh, of course, oh, Wallace is going Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, so you can have that kind of nice sort of stream. And, and, and so there's not a, the, the music that we're streaming is not cryptographically signed or locked or anything like that there's no there's none of that it's just um straight up MP, high quality mp3s um and then a bit of the server's got some smarts in it to validate that you've actually paid to listen and that kind of stuff um yeah. oh, so literally so it's not mining type. the current the uh, xrp the currency is actually just being used as a self-healing record of transaction rather than anything else yeah it's just being used as a thing for exchange which is kind of what it's designed for right xlp's got wow. slightly different approach to bitcoins yeah it's really neat it's cool and and like I, the thing that's happening gradually this this web monetization thing like mozilla's obviously interested in it because it sort of solves that um original sin of the internet right like we've had this great idea called the internet we don't know how we're going to pay for it yet oh let me introduce surveillance capitalism um you know that kind of stuff's not so great, right? Um, <laughs> but so, so it gives you a way of solving that kind of problem, um, and and gradually, sort of people are kind of applying it and picking it up. So um, there's a, a site called Cinnamon, um, Cinnamon Video, and they're kind of like a YouTube-esque thing that um, if you put your content on there, it's web monetized and and you get paid for people watching your thing. So if you stuck this amazing uh, video up, then then you you'd see like some payment trickle in. Um, and then um, uh, I think Condé Nast, I don't know if it's like a formal thing or if they've got like a rogue developer who just shoved the ILP head, the personal ILP header in. But like if you go to like Pitchfork or other Condé Nast publications and you've got the plugin, you'll start seeing it's uh, doing its thing and, and they're streaming money. And I think they sort of hide advertising when um, when that happens kind of thing. So oh, it's kind of it's kind of this sort of thing where... <laughs> it's kind of thing where it's sort of gradually picking up a bit of um, becoming a bit more normal, I think. And and it's it's definitely very early days. Like you can kind of do 
some maths based on various bits of information out there. And it's like there, there aren't there aren't millions or billions of people subscribed to Coil yet, but you can kind of see that this or something like this becomes a way that some of those kind of challenges get solved, right? Actually, kind Matt of... has a nice, nice point here, which is uh, the nice thing about XRP, the cryptocurrency used by Coil, is that it doesn't use proof of work, so it doesn't have in, uh, insane energy consumption. So we don't yeah. have to worry about the people going, oh, it's just proliferating people buying graphics cards and using more yeah. energy than an entire city. Yeah, there's um, so Matt Lawyer, <laughs> Ripple, did some, uh, I think they got a university to do some nice research. And XRP has a smaller carbon footprint, larger one than Visa MasterCard, but a smaller one than, than doing cash. And it's things like that where, again, like going back to the earlier part of the call, like money's weird, right? And and actually, if you think about like smelting coins, moving large amounts of coinage around, smelting, making notes, all that kind of stuff, that there's, that's quite an energy intensive thing. Um, Ironically, so, I'm living in an old mint. Hey, nice. Peppermint or strawberry? <laughs> no, the uh, Birmingham Royal Mint. Oh, cool. Nice. Is there any, was there any cash left behind? No, just a giant flipping chimney that's outside of my living room. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so it's kind of this... Um, it's one of those things where it feels like the technology, like it's probably not quite there in terms of adoption, but it could be, right? Hang on, and this so is the description of the entire internet. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, you know, people will discuss whether or not it was a good idea, but I'm pretty sure the internet is kind of now mass adopted. Hey, it's mass adopted, but you know for a fact that somewhere underneath the hood is an old oh, yeah. x86 IBM machine. <laughs> yeah. DNS yeah, yeah. server where there's actually a tape machine running still attached to it. Tape is amazing. High density. Doesn't get wrong with it. Oh, yeah. You get robots as well. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And, but it's a sort of interesting thing where like, you could see you know, in, a, in a few years' time or a few iterations of the, the, the product, it will become a real fang. Um, and it's nice to sort of be playing around with it as a sort of side thing, like a evenings and weekends kind of uh stuff and and it's been good like this this stuff like i hadn't um uh and any front type dev i didn't do that much of it for quite a while but like i hadn't done any for five six years maybe and some people would say that's a good thing <laughs> um but like it's kind of interesting to see how far JavaScript has, or ECMA script has come along as a language and like the tooling around like like things like Figma and uh, XD. I hadn't seen that like, you know, Dreamweaver was badass back in the day and, and it's actually kind of cool that you've got those kind of tools that are um, uh, letting you do kind of like bridging that gap between design and development in a really kind of effective fashion. Um, and so it's been cool to be able to kind of uh, in a non-critical path kind of way, kind of dust off some of those kind of skills and muscles and what have you. Um, I must admit, I am currently just looking at a Git repo for a native, a pure web component implementation of it. Yeah, because um, mm, I'm curious about. Can I just slap this inside of uh, some of the work I'm doing? 
Yeah, and and so like Coil, um, uh, so Coil recommend that you install their browser plugin, right? Um, but they also give out OAuth tokens. So one of the things I hopefully I'm going to do this weekend, uh, children permitting, um, is implement it so that you can log into your Coil account and send payment from within AudioTarky because there there is a browser called Puma that runs on mobile. Um, and that works most of the time, but there are certain. There's a um, so uh, there's a service called Vanilla.so, and there's a, a web monetization.org. Uh, both have a kind of payment verification uh, thing. So they the client um, knows a secret about the thing, and so that you can send that share that secret back through to the. You, you basically stream your payment through their verifier, and so the 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 the, the client the web client gets a receipt from the thing, and then you can as a, on the server side you send that receipt to the server, and then the server can talk to the verification service, and so I can tell whether whether or not someone's not just have they got the browser plugged in, but have they actually got it turned on and are they actually streaming payment, um, and so that's kind of neat, but it seems like. Puma gets confused when you're doing that, it gets upset. So, and I haven't been able to work out why. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, so, so, the, the, so being able to kind of put it, and, and people don't want to install another browser on their phone, right? Like, again, it's that sort of how does this become a thing that's kind of mainstream and easy to use? And, and I think um, having a thing that says click here to log in with Coil and pay Grand Falloon some money, for example. Um, Kind of it's also the fact that the wonderful of the internet uh how do i put this uh once upon a time internet explorer was the bastard child and now safari is the bastard child and everybody has their preference that there is a whole army of people on mac who will swear by safari being exactly how they want even though they don't follow all the w3c standards as lit written letter did i see somewhere that they're moving it to using it's, it's Chrome now, isn't it, under the hood? It's WebKit under the hood with uh, uh, the Chrome Engine stuff, yeah. But it's they're still not implementing the full W3C spec because what, Apple reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an interesting thing there where you've got, like, um, it, like, like the... the, the the specs of things and the what you can do on the web changes so rapidly. Um, like it, it, front end web development is about a million times better than it was when I was writing web pages in two thousand oh in nineteen ninety five. Right, you were pre jQuery. I can't even imagine those dark times. The, but the thing that's kind of nice, like, I, like so, the audio talkie site doesn't use any jQuery. Obviously, uh, it doesn't use React. It's using uh, Pico app, which is kind of quite lightweight, neat sort of thing. Um, and it um, so most of the code is like kind of vanilla ECMA, and and actually, like it's quite a nice language now. Like it, it and actually, amusingly, there's stuff I remember writing when I was 15 or 16 mm. that you kind of end up writing again, right? Like window dot. <laughs> um. It's kind of I'm actually just looking at the audio talkie site and going, huh, this is also actually quite performant. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's an SPA um, using router.js. It's all quite small. Backend. Except somebody has not bothered to set up their routing correctly. Oh, which one broke? Send me a link. Oh, no, it's not that. It's the fact that you're using the horrible, non-shareable uh, routing paths. Like the uh, question mark 24. Not question mark. Um, oh, no, that's, that's um, uh, because currently... So that the site goes live, like will go live on Monday, um, and uh, so currently it's behind audiotarky.com/slash/dollar/slash. Um, you do know that that's actually exposed to Google already, so good yeah, luck yeah. with the SEO value there. Yeah, no, no it's it's all one of those things where, um, yeah, it's kind of public beta, but not. I think, um, but yeah, um, but yeah. So yeah, the dollar confuses certain browsers substantially and others don't care. Um, yeah. Um, before we actually started streaming this, you did actually mention the fact that you were like looking into open sourcing this, some of the stuff. Like you're actually one of the people who helped push me between you, Wallace, uh, Tom, Mike, and Reese, pushing me into doing more of the work I did just uh, as open source code. Even if it's shite, ship it as open source. I think was the opinion that it, I think was, that was what Tom told me to do at one point was like, it's I just better to release it to the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, code is code is ideas, right. That's kind of formulated. And, and I think ideas are better when you share them and, and talk them through and, you know, most open source code, like, you know, there's an interesting balance between like open source and, and community. Right. And I think most open source code has no community around it at all, because um, it's hard. That, that's the hard bit. Like writing ten thousand lines of nonsense is, is is easy, but like maintaining kind of a steady flow of contribution and making sure that people don't kind of upset one another or what have you. That's 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 where the hard work is. And um, but yeah, I think I think you know, there, there's sort of in audio talky. There's some novel bits and pieces, but there's nothing that sort of someone with half a brain can work out themselves. So you may as well share stuff. And then if people can go and say, actually, you could do it better this way, or um, or what about this use case? Like, then that's a good thing to kind of include. And, and I think in general, the more, um, the more viewpoints you get on something, like there's definitely a skill in navigating between them, but the more sort of input you can have on a design or on a bit of software, the better. Um, you do sometimes have to like going back to the sort of Bezos thing of make a decision at sixty percent kind of thing. You do sometimes have to go. Thanks. I'm going to ignore all of that. <laughs> I'm going to do it this way. But but also like sometimes you'll you know like Cleto who we used to work with uh, who's now back in time. Um, I loved having him review my code. Like it was an absolute privilege to have him review my code because he would make it substantially better every time. And it would just and it'd be little things, but like, you know, something that takes a seven line function and turns it into a three line function, and it's actually more legible as a result as well. It's not like one of these things where kind of I've mushed everything together into some really oblique kind of um, you know nested craziness. It's like actually you could do it this way and it's going to work better and more efficient and easier to read. It's like that is a lovely thing, and um, the more kind of stuff you get like that, the you know, and it's one of those things where I think. If you're writing something, your brain is too engaged in the writing of it that you can't 
be objective and review it. Like we, the music that we recorded, same kind of a different. Like we recorded it, we finished the sort of final edits, final edits uh, last week, um, and I've like not listened to it all week, and I'm going to spend some time at the weekend listening to it, and just kind of go actually that one's fine or that one's not fine and we need to change that in this way. Isn't that um, usually why you have somebody else do the audio engineering to the work you produce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, the, the producer, right? Um, hmm. Yeah, so so we, we work with a guy called Ali Chant um, who's done a lot of that. But there's there's an element of like, um, you know, we're not a Stock Aiton and Walkman, Waterman um, pop band, right? Like, we, we we're going to it's got to be our stuff. Like it's all improvised, which kind of makes it a bit nuts anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so it's got to be that kind of thing of like, well, actually it's a dialogue between he's got ideas and input and like there's technical pieces where like this, this didn't work or that's out of time or this is not tuned enough or, or alternatively it's out of tune, but it sounds cool. Let's keep it kind of thing. Um, but then there's a sort of like the actual kind of, well, what do we want this structure to sort of be? That's sort of a thing that he can He's part of the discussion, but it's sort of me and the guy I play with Ian. Um, we've got to kind of conclude at least, right? I have actually just gone through the audio talkie site, and you know the reason I uh, the first thing I noticed, mm-hmm. I recognise that Blue Yeti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, you are literally dog fooding your own stuff here as well, like audio production, dog fooding actual web monetization and building dog fooding yeah. open sourcing your own code and you you're literally the only person i can think of right now that every aspect of the thing they're involved with they are completely dog fooding <laughs> i don't know it's you should right like you should like it's one of those things like we're, we're building some bits for edb and it's like well we've got to use postgres here <laughs> <laughs> like we we could use something else, but you know we could stick MySQL in, but I think that would be kind of terrible. <laughs> you know, there's, there's there's that thing where, and it's also that trick of knowing what's the um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, there's also that thing of knowing what the right tool for the job is, right? Mm. Like um, you don't want to dog food. Like if you're putting. Well, I used to say like, oh, you know, you don't use a hammer to screw in a nail, and it's like, yeah. And then my friend pointed out that you can just smack them in. <laughs> Works just as well. <laughs> so, oh, thanks, Tony. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's that thing of. I think we've like we certainly in cloud. We, there were some times when we did things in Couch that we should have probably used Postgres or Redis or you know another store for. And and then on the flip side, there were probably some places where we should have made more of a fact, more of a deal of the fact that we'd uh, uh, Cloudant was running on Cloudant and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's, if, if it's an appropriate technology to use, then um, you should use it. My son's being a chimpanzee downstairs. I'm just going to shut the door. It's nice to know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 going to be, teenage years are going to be <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> I'm glad I live in a different city at this point in time. Though. <laughs> He's loud noises. I was um, when he was uh, before he was born. Yeah, I kind of wanted to have him called Lucifer, but it wasn't that wasn't allowed. Um, but actually, it kind of probably bit me in the bum that one. Yes, what's up? Um, can, when when are you finished? 
in a little bit, probably about another five, ten minutes. I don't know. How many more questions you got, Mike? I don't have any more questions. We've already gone quite off tangent. I've asked a lot of things, and you have said a lot of stuff. And I, I also know that you have uh, some important stuff to do this afternoon, so uh, it's up to you, sir. Yeah, that's probably a good point, actually. I've got to talk to some lawyers in a little bit. Yeah, but, okay. Um, right, now, just make sure I do this correctly. Do you want to uh, spill anything? Because, uh, well, technically, we're here at, during the 9 to 5 part of the day. You may want to actually do the whole company self-promotion today is the uh, wellness friday so so edb does this thing where every third friday you have to yourself to do oh, lucky duck. It's, it's fantastic um so yeah but we are hiring an edb um so if, if you're writing go or python or uh react front-end stuff uh doing things with cube um interested in contributing to postgres um, then uh, we'd be very interested to hear from you. And uh, if you go to enterprisedb.com slash careers, I think it is, there's there's a link there that will um, uh, show you all the kind of open roles. Um, some I'll of them make sure you've got a link to that in the description, shall I? Yeah. Um, some of them you'll be working with me. So, you know, forewarned is forearmed. He says that is a bad thing. I say it's a very good thing because he was my boss for four, five months before I got handed over to somebody else. <laughs> Hot yeah. potato. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're doing that. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, those kind of things, there's a bunch of roles open there. Uh, Audio Talkie, uh, we're going to launch it on Monday uh, at MozFest. Um, if you're not going to MozFest, you should. It's uh, pay what you want for a ticket, all virtual uh it's running over like two weeks or 12 days i think it is this this year um if you get a ticket uh you get a free coil month-long coil pass so you can kind of monkey around with the web monetization stuff for free even though it's you know it's five dollars when you you know you shouldn't break your bank um the amount of coffee you drink just saves you one coffee and then you sort it um and then um if you're in a band making interesting music then uh reach out on audio talk as well you can get the um uh, uh, things on there. Um, EDB is yeah, fun place to work at the moment. Um, growing really quickly. If you need a Postgres, <laughs> um, we can probably help you with that. Um, and yeah, things like Wellness Fridays is a uh, is a nice uh, perk as well. So um, yeah, that's probably enough of a sales pitch. I'm rubbish at sales. <laughs> it was a sales pitch. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, okay. Uh, thank you very much for allowing me to um, keep your attention for over an hour. It's been one, it's been great catching up with you. And two, I completely forgot how tangential you are in conversation anyway. You don't need any assistance to go off topic. You do it. It's, it's, it, my ideas get caught in my hair and they kind of spin around and then they come out the back. I, I completely forgot about this because this is, would be a normal conversation when I'd go for pizza with you. Right. And it would be, oh, we're going like to have a me. nice little catch-up, and the conversation would go completely sideways. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's fun, right? Like, mm. I don't want to have linear conversations. I want to have kind of random ones and stumble over weird ideas, right? You do it's realize weird. people are going to worry about you having dementia when you don't have dementia because it's just going to be tangential when you're old and grey. <laughs> I am already old and grey. I was thinking this morning, I am. I can't remember where I put things down old. Because <laughs> I put down, I had a water bottle and I put it down somewhere. And I was like, where the hell is this big black water bottle? Couldn't find it. I did find it later, like an hour later. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, no worries. Well, thank you very much, and I'll speak to you all later. Yeah, lovely to talk to you, Mike. Right. Speak soon.